Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. Please remain standing for the reading of our scripture this morning. I'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, beginning with the 14th verse. Hear these words. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the darkness and the people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. And you may be seated. I wanted to commend you for being here this morning because you had to get up an hour earlier. That's a pretty big deal. So we should have applauded you at the very beginning of our service for coming. So thank you for being here. It's hard to believe that it has been a year, over a year now, since the pandemic began. And finally, Finally, there seems to be some light at the end of the tunnel. I know you are like me, and we are eager for things to get back to normal, whatever that means, whatever it means to get back to normal. One of the things that I've missed, well, one of the things, aside from the obvious, being with family, spending time with my boys, being able to go out to eat and go out and not be afraid that someone's going to touch me or come too close to me, but one of the things I've missed is travel. Oh, I know we've been able to do some traveling, but it still isn't the same as it used to be before COVID. I love to travel. I love to see new places, experience new cultures, breathe deeply of the beauty that can be discovered in unknown places, but also to appreciate the most familiar of sights. And we all have those. Travel in many ways is a spiritual endeavor. There's always something to learn. There's ways to grow, especially about oneself, about our relationship with one another, and especially our relationship with God. 
In fact, the popular travel writer, maybe you know him, Rick Steves, maybe you've purchased a book um, for his travels, but he's been sharing a lot about travel as a spiritual act recently, so much so that he has made it to the Methodist Church, to the General Board of Higher Education, and there is going to be a conversation towards the, a virtual conversation towards the end of March about travel as a spiritual act. We associate this kind of travel as a pilgrimage, and we've talked about that actually beginning in January. And it's a pilgrimage, it's a sacred journey, and it enlightens us and helps for us when we travel to lead to the transformation of the heart. Because through travel we are exposed to a lot of different cultures, to different ways of thinking, to different ways of living in the world, and how we relate to one another. Whether it is, believe it or not, in Helen, Georgia, or whether we go to South or North Carolina or Tennessee, or we go to New York, or we go to California, or we go to Asia, or we go to Europe. When we go to these places in travel, we experience different things, different cultures. And those barriers that we may have built up, hopefully as we travel, they are broken down. And in some small way, they draw us closer to one another, and they draw us closer to the divine. Maybe even as we travel, we realize that our world isn't quite so small and that God's world is so much bigger than we ever imagined. Often, we find our touchstones when we travel. For centuries, this idea of touchstone has been used to to test the purity of gold. It's rubbing the gold along the stone. By the way, you can get a touchstone at Amazon. I don't know. Of course, you can get everything at Amazon. But you can get a touchstone at Amazon. And if you take that gold and you rub it along the stone and it leaves a visible streak, then you know that it is authentic, pure gold. Travel as a spiritual act is one such touchstone. It's something that helps us see whether something, a place, or a destination is the real thing. That is, if it is spiritual gold. Or as one travel writer has noted, the touchstone is a brilliant metaphor for an attitude of a state of mind that can test the sacred dimension. I don't know if you've ever considered travel as a sacred act, but touchstones are this entry point to a larger reality in life, and this is what travel does. It helps us make connections that lead to greater understanding. In some ways, today in our travels, along the journey of love, we encounter the touchstone in John's gospel. And we've been doing some traveling this Lent, haven't we? We're in our fourth week of Lent, and so far, We've had various kinds of traveling shoes on. We had rain boots as we joined Noah at the ark. And then we had some sandals on as we traveled with Jesus along the dusty roads around Caesarea Philippi. And last week, we took our shoes off altogether as we joined Moses at Mount Sinai because we were standing on holy ground. Today, today we're in Jerusalem. It's evening The sun has set. There's no need for traveling shoes, except maybe a comfortable pair of slippers. Do you wear slippers? Maybe these are, this is the time to put on slippers as we join Jesus. 
Jesus has found lodging for the night, so perhaps he is relaxing in a home with some friends. I imagine they are talking about what happened that day. And what happened that day was Jesus had gone into the temple and he had drove out the money changers. And he talked about how the temple was going to be destroyed and raised up in three days. So you can imagine that in this home that evening, they were having these conversations about what did Jesus mean by that when suddenly there was a knock at the door. And hiding in the shadows of the night, clearly not wanting to be seen, is a very important religious leader. His name is Nicodemus, an educated man, an expert in his field of the scriptures and the law, a Pharisee no less. No, we're not surprised that he shows up, I don't think. He comes asking for Jesus. It seems that he needs some clarification on what he's been hearing and on what he's been seeing. And after what Jesus did in the temple earlier that day, it's no wonder. Strange, isn't it, though, that it's in the darkness that he comes seeking enlightenment? Nicodemus is welcomed in. At least I assume he is. I'm guessing that he's not standing out on the front porch so all that the neighbors could see. Otherwise, he would have come out in the light of day. He comes into the house, perhaps. He's invited to have a seat. He's given something to drink. And he begins this conversation with Jesus. And rest assured, it is no light conversation. They are talking about the kingdom of God They're talking about water and the spirit. They're talking about what it means to be born from above. And in today's text, we get the second half of that conversation. And in these very short eight verses, wow, do they pack a punch for us. You would not even have to recite the most famous verse in all of Scripture. All you have to say is John 3, 16. And whether you're a Christian or not, you know exactly what that verse says. We know what it says, but do we know what it means? Do we know what it means? Many years ago, when my family arrived in Atlanta, we moved to Johns Creek. I've shared this with you. I quickly learned that most people, at least those I was coming in contact with in my neighborhood and in the schools, they were... Christians, they were members of a church, so there was no shortage of invitations to attend someone's church. And fortunately, we landed in Johns Creek United Methodist Church. That first year, though, of getting connected to the church took a little bit of time. And so one of the things that I did is I joined a neighborhood Bible study. And I became involved. And my knowledge of Scripture at the time was pretty limited, But it was nice to be in a group of other Christians, those from different backgrounds, those of different denominations. And one day, the Bible study leader invited to her home, was it her home, one of her pastors to come and help teach us about this passage of Scripture, John 3.16. So he did some exegesis on it, and we talked about it. And after the study, he handed out a card, a little card, with a formula on it in the form of an, of an acronym. And I can't even remember what that acronym was right now. I don't remember all the details of it. I only remember that it was a formula for conversion. 
Now, I didn't grow up in the church. I've shared that. I didn't grow up in the Bible Belt. You know that. And I'll be honest and say that this little formula, it creeped me out. Because what was going on inside of my mind was, is there a formula to become a Christian? If I just check off these boxes, is that okay? Is that what happens? Is this guy trying to convert us? He wasn't trying to convert us because he assumed that we were already Christians. What he wanted us to do was to use this little card to convert others. Truth be told, truth be told, I said, no way. <laughs> I can barely keep my life together, and I'm not going to start taking out this little card and trying to convert others. Of course, I didn't say that. And as soon as I could, without being rude, I ran out of that Bible study. What Jesus is talking about here in this scripture of passage that we're studying today is more than just about conversion. He's having a conversation with Nicodemus, and you can hear that Nicodemus is trying to make sense of what is happening, trying to make sense of what Jesus is saying. You can tell he is struggling. Perhaps what Jesus is saying isn't fitting into a simple formula. It's not nicely and easily packaged into a little card that you can give to people. It's too much it's too vast to comprehend. Jesus is talking about eternal life. A life lived in the spirit, abundant life. One that is not lived in the darkness, but one that is lived in the light. And it's all predicated, all of it is predicated on love. The love of God is pretty simple, isn't it? It should be but we complicate it. We create formulas to follow so that we have all the right answers. But when Jesus is talking with Nicodemus, he's not talking about having all the right answers up here. He's talking about what's happening in here. It's about the transformation of the heart. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The United Methodist Church in our Wesleyan theology, we talk about conversion. We talk about new birth. This is a passage of new birth. But it's all enveloped in grace, justifying and sanctifying grace, moving on toward Christian perfection. John Wesley referred to it as the via salutis or the path of salvation, maybe the journey of salvation. Sometimes you find yourself on this journey and maybe you turn around or maybe you take a detour or maybe you find yourself visiting the same places over and over again. There is no one formula to becoming a Christian in the Wesleyan tradition. Conversion or new birth is just the very beginning of the movement of a life of holiness, of heart and life. It's part of what we call sanctifying grace. And Reverend Chad mentioned it in his prayer this morning. Sanctifying grace. John Wesley said that justifying grace is what Christ did on the cross, and sanctifying grace is what God does within our hearts. It happens over the course of a lifetime. Now, I know you didn't come to church today. 
or tune in online to get a Sunday school lesson. You've had a long week. You're tired, probably more than usual because it is daylight savings. When Sunday mornings come, we're looking for hope, are we not? We come here looking for hope, looking for love, looking for God's grace, and we want to leave here feeling better than when we arrived. We want to be filled up so that we can get through the next week, don't we? Because by the time Sunday comes around, most of us need some refueling. And you know, I think Nicodemus needed some refueling too. I think he was hungry for hope, hungry for something more, hungry to know about eternal life, hungry to know who Jesus is. And he puts his touchstone in his pocket and he heads over to see Jesus. It's late, but he doesn't care because what he is seeking is a matter of life and death. He needs to know the answer. He can't wait. It won't wait. And Jesus? <laughs> Jesus is waiting for him, ready to share with him about life and light, the importance of belief, and warnings about living in darkness. But the touchstone, the touchstone, that authentic gold that Jesus shares is the most famous passage of Scripture. It's not just three, John 3.16, though. It's John 3.16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. What Nicodemus heard that night must have rocked his world. God does not want to condemn the world, but save it. Eternal life begins when we believe that the word of God was made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ who carried the cross our sins to Calvary solely out of love for you, for me, for the world. And all of this was done not by a God who does not care for us, but by a God who is willing to open the door at any hour of the night. When we are struggling, when we have questions, when we are hurting, when we wonder about the future, when we wonder about the injustices of the world, when we struggle what it means to be a good, holy person and we know that we fall short, when it seems like our lives are lived more in darkness than in the light, or when we have our own set of doubts about what we believe. Go ahead, knock, and the door will be opened. Ask, and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. For everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. That's in the scriptures. <laughs> Each step of our journey is meant to transform our hearts into the likeness of Christ. Some days, 
it's easier than others, isn't it? But always we walk knowing that we do not walk alone. That's why we have the church. So that we do not need to struggle alone. So we do not need to ask the hard questions alone. The church is our touchstone, helping us find that pure path of faith so that together we can live into the promise of everlasting life. How do we get our minds around such a thought? Many have wondered if Nicodemus ever came out of the dark and into the light. He is mentioned three times in John's gospel, but the last time we hear about it is when he is with Joseph of Arimathea, and in his hands he is holding expensive aloes and perfumes enough to anoint a king. And there in the light of day, he is helping to anoint the body of Jesus that has just been taken down from the cross. We cannot say for sure, but it might just be that there at the cross, that Nicodemus finally understood the meaning of love. Oh, and about that day, that I ran out of the Bible study. Fortunately, my journey did not end there because I did learn that conversion takes a lifetime, a lifetime of sanctifying grace. And the best way to convert others is not using a formula, but by the touchstone of God's love. At least that's how I was converted. Maybe that's how you were converted too. Seeing love lived out by faithful followers in and through the church so that one day we can all say, I believe. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.